We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 711 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Friday December 1st 2023 a new month has begun the 2023 NFL regular season's week 13 has begun and it began with a barn burner a 41-35 Dallas Cowboys win over the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football we on Thursday night football over the last few seasons have had so many bad games uh, this game was not a bad game uh, the Cowboys and Seahawks combined for 76 points and 817 total that yards of offense although <laughs> the Cowboys and Seahawks also combined for 19 accepted penalties for 250 70 yards and yeah the Cowboys did win they're now nine and three. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We have the four and eight Commanders versus the eight and three Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. We're no longer on Ron Rivera watch. Uh, him lasting as Commanders head coach through the end of the team season now seems likely, but <laughs> of course, nothing is for sure. What if the Commanders get smashed by the Dolphins on Sunday afternoon? Then what? Uh, of course, you could argue that that is what would be best for our team. One step closer to a top five pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, next segment, I'll talk Commanders-Dolphins from the perspectives of both the Commanders' offense and defense, including key comments from assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy's pre-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. Some good stuff from Eric, from EB, uh, on what the Commanders are facing in the Dolphins' defense, how things are going for him as a first-time, full-time offensive play caller, the development of the Commanders' offense, and more. I'll also have the latest on injuries for the game. I'm then going to speak with our friend, Commanders analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark's going to join us to talk Commander's offense, including he who matters most for the Commanders the rest of their season, quarterback Sam Howell. What do we need to see from Sam over the team's final five games this regular season? We're also going to discuss how Commander's receivers are doing and whether the Eric Bieniemy sam Howell partnership 
is worthy of continuing. And I have rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Dolphins and a prediction for the game. Also on the show, college football, a Goldilocks preview and pick for the Conference USA Championship game, number 24 Liberty hosting New Mexico State Friday night at 7. And I will properly commemorate what went down for the Capitals late night on Thursday night. A 5-4 win at the Anaheim Ducks as the Caps' top-line right wing, Tom Wilson, in playing in his 700th career regular season game, had his first career regular season hat trick. A tremendous night for top-line Tom. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, James Madison, uh, the Dukes, uh, their head football coach is gone. Uh, JMU on Thursday afternoon announced that head coach Kurt Signetti is leaving to become Indiana's head coach. Uh, This came just hours after he on Thursday morning was named Sunbelt Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, Kurt Signetti had been James Madison's head football coach since December 2018. His overall record as Duke's head coach, 52-9. and Not bad, 52-9, and including 19-4 and over the program's first two seasons in the FBS. Uh, look, James Madison cannot compete with Big Ten money, so Signetti is gone. But, you know, that doesn't mean that JMU now must decline. I just mentioned Liberty. Look at Liberty, another program uh, that recently made the transition from the FCS to the FBS. Liberty this season, the first season for Jamie Chadwell as head coach off the departure of Hugh Freeze to become Auburn's head coach is an absolute force. Uh, you can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, thank you to everyone for the really nice messages uh, off me right before the intro music for Thursday show, episode 710, mentioning the passing of my friend Matt. I uh, appreciate the messages very much. Uh, email from Devin Bradley on the Eric the Enemy Sam Howell connection. Rides Devin. If Eric Bieniemy does not remain as the offensive coordinator next season and Sam Howell is the quarterback, Sam will have had three different coordinators over his first three NFL seasons. Do you know of an instance when a young quarterback has had three different coordinators and offensive systems to learn and ended up being a franchise quarterback? Uh, thank you for the email, Devin. Uh, well, the quarterback who comes to mind actually is a former Washington quarterback. Alex Smith. Uh, The San Francisco 49ers took Alex with the number one overall pick in the 2005 NFL draft. Uh, He, over his first five NFL seasons, 2005 through 2009, had five different offensive coordinators. (laughs) Amazing. And yet, Alex ended up becoming a good quarterback for the Niners. And then, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, But he did not truly become a good quarterback for the Niners until the 2011 and 2012 seasons. And then his run with the Chiefs was for the 2013 through 2017 seasons. So I'd say Alex Smith, but the point is well taken. You with a young starting quarterback want stability, not constant change. Uh, But I do not want whoever is the next person running commander's football operations to make Eric Bieniemy the team's next head coach solely for the purpose of Sam Howell. And I do not want the next person running commander's football operations to force Eric onto the team's next head coach as the offensive coordinator. If Eric is the team's next head coach because that's truly what is best for the team, 
or if the team's next head coach keeps Eric as the offensive coordinator because that's truly what the head coach wants, okay. But I don't want anything being forced. No more things being forced. No more square pegs in round holes. No more arranged marriages. Uh, I want the next era of Commander's football operations to be a case study in organizational alignment and excellence. Okay, let's aim for those two things. Organizational alignment and excellence. Uh, Email from Keith Horton on player buy-in on Sam Howell. Writes Keith, Hope you and your family had a great Thanksgiving. Big fan of the pod. Thank you, Keith. Continues, Keith. Having the week off last week and being able to tune into some of the daytime sports talk, there was a ton of discussion about the Pittsburgh Steelers given the dismissal of their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. What was interesting was listening to former NFL executive Michael Lombardi and former NFL player J.J. Watt, whose brother is Steelers defensive end T.J. Watt. Both Lombardi and J.J. Watt emphasized how much the Steelers players believe in their second-year quarterback, Kenny Pickett, notwithstanding the team's offensive struggles. Lombardi joked that Steelers receivers run their fastest during games anytime that Pickett takes a sack to (laughs) to make sure that he's okay. Watt discussed the fact that Steelers players are not blaming the quarterback and, in fact, From a defensive perspective, Watt appreciated that Pickett doesn't turn the ball over and demonstrates an exceptional level of play during fourth quarters. Funny enough, the Steelers-Bengals game was on locally for us in the Washington, D.C. area, given that the Commanders played on Thanksgiving. I have to say, watching that game against the Bengals defense that created misery for the Niners and Bills, I was stunned at the number of high-level throws for an offense that was putrid. I have no idea what the PFF grade was, but it had to be high. Bringing this home to our Commanders, do you have a sense as to whether the players in the locker room believe in Sam such that he should be given the next year, regardless of where we end up drafting. Player belief slash confidence in our quarterback is huge, and I would think is materially relevant to winning. Keep up the great work and best wishes during the holidays. Uh, Thank you for that, Keith. Same to you. Uh, Good topic. Uh, By the way, Kenny Pickett's passing grade for pro football focus for that Steelers 16-10 win at the Cincinnati Bengals last Sunday afternoon, a stellar 89.6 PFF grades on a scale of 0 to 100. I do think that Commander's players like and believe in Sam Howell. I have heard nothing to the contrary, and we have heard and read a number of public statements from Commander's players endorsing Sam. Uh, Principal among them, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen during his postgame session with reporters after the 2017 win at the New England Patriots in week five. Quote, Sam Howell is like, he's our future. He's our quarterback. And I think we found our next quarterback for the five, 10 years. And I truly believe that. End quote. Uh, There is a lot about Sam Howell that's endearing to teammates. He's tough. We've seen that throughout this season, not just in him continually taking sacks, but also the willingness with which he's taken on hits on his scrambles and design runs. Uh, Sam is self-aware. He, during his press conferences, has repeatedly taken ownership of mistakes that he has made, you know, the sacks, the interceptions. And most importantly, Sam is giving Washington what is, to me, its most promising quarterback play in years. Now, If the play tails off, then all of this stuff does not matter so much. The foundation upon which the endearing qualities generate the endearment uh, is Sam playing well. Uh, If he doesn't play well, then the toughness, the self-awareness, the whatever else don't matter so much. Uh, You know, this is not a dating app, right? This is the NFL. The play 
trumps everything else. So Sam needs to play well over the commander's final five games this regular season, but he certainly seems to be someone who teammates like. And a law firm that clients don't just like, they love, is the great law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged, but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace provides passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. But how about this by Paulson and Nace? Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million. Yes, Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and won. Heck, Paulson and Nace has taken on the U.S. government and won. Bradley versus the United States of America. Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. Hey, five-star ratings and positive reviews of the podcast help us out a lot. You want Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you want Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It can be just a sentence or two. And thank you very much for doing the ratings and the reviews. So Washington, in each of its first three seasons with Rod Rivera as head coach, has had a major upset victory, Right. Uh, December 7th, 2020, the 2317 win at the Pittsburgh Steelers. November 14th, 2021, the 2919 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field. November 14th, 2022, the 3221 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. The Commanders in this 2023 regular season are four and eight and without a major upset victory. Beating the eight and three Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at a game starting at one would constitute a major upset victory. Uh, now, unlike those aforementioned major upset victories, the Commanders beating the Dolphins this Sunday afternoon would not like ignite talk of things going well with Ron Rivera as Washington head coach. Now, we all know what the deal is and what the deal should be. Ron is not going to last as the team's 
head coach beyond this season. Ron should not last as the team's head coach beyond this season. Beating the Dolphins would not change that. Heck, the Commanders winning each of their remaining five games this regular season might not change that. Uh, The Commanders' injury report for Thursday afternoon's practice listed the same four players as the team's injury report for Wednesday afternoon's practice did. Uh, Corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. on Thursday afternoon did not practice for a second consecutive day due to the elbow injury that had him inactive for the Commanders' 45-10 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Edge defender James Smith-Williams on Thursday afternoon did not practice for a second consecutive day due to the hamstring injury that has had him inactive for each of the Commanders' last two games. Center Tyler Larson on Thursday afternoon was a limited participant in practice. This off not practicing on Wednesday afternoon due to a knee issue and tight end slash fullback Alex Arma on Thursday afternoon was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to the hamstring injury that has had him inactive for each of the commander's last two games. Uh, The Dolphins injury report for their Thursday practice listed 18 players. Uh, Among those players, safety Javon Holland. Uh, He on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to issues with both knees. Uh, Javon Holland is a really good player. He, for this regular season, has an overall grade for pro football focus of 91.2. Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy on Thursday did a pre-practice press conference. It started shortly after 12 p.m. The Dolphins, as you may have heard, have a very good offense. Uh, The Dolphins, for this regular season through week 12, were number three in the NFL in total offense per DVOA and number one in the NFL in yards per play. Here was Eric Bieniemy on if the Dolphins having this very good offense impacts how Eric will call the game for the commander's offense. Well, you, you, you want to score 100 points if possible. You know, they got a world-class track team over there. One of them I'm very familiar with. So, uh, Yes, they do have a, a a great offense. They're doing a number of things, and uh, our job is to make sure that we're doing our part. When it's all said and done, our guys understand exactly what they're supposed to do. We got to drive the length of the field. We got to finish those drives, and we got to score. All right. On top of that, if we're doing our part, we'll give ourselves the best chance of winning. Our guys are confident. They know exactly what they're uh, capable of. Now we just got to eliminate the BS and just go play. We heard Eric Bieniemy allude to Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill, with whom Eric worked during his time as Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator for the 2018 through 2022 seasons. The Chiefs took Tyreek in the fifth round of the 2016 NFL Draft out of West Alabama. So actually, Eric's final two seasons as Chiefs running backs coach were Tyreek's first two NFL seasons. Uh, Tyreek Hill, a.k.a. the Cheetah, a.k.a. Ty Freak. (laughs) Uh, If he is not the best receiver in the NFL, he is close. Uh, Tyreek Hill, for this regular season through Week 12, was number one in the NFL in receiving yards at 1,324. Number one in the NFL in yards after catch with 524. Number one in the NFL in receiving touchdowns with 10. Number one in the NFL in receiving first downs with 62. I could keep going, but you get the idea. Tyreek Hill is tremendous. Uh, His quarterback, Tua Tungabailoa, he for this regular season through week 12 was number 10 among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL and ESPN's total QBR at 60. Uh, QBR is on a scale 
of 0 to 100. But the Dolphins' offense is about plenty more than Tua and Tyreek. Uh, receiver Jalen Waddell, uh, running back Raheem Mostert, running back Devon Achan, all are very talented. How about this guy, Devon Achan? Devon Achan, for this regular season, has 39 carries for 461 yards and five touchdowns, and he has 10 receptions, including two touchdown receptions. So he, over just 49 touches, has seven touchdowns. And like I said, 39 carries for 461 yards. That works out to a yards per carry of 11.82. He is averaging 11.82 yards per carry. Uh, The Dolphins took Devon Achan in the third round of the 2023 draft at a Texas A&M. That, my friends, is what you call great player personnel. Uh, The Commanders on Sunday afternoon in trying to match firepower with the Dolphins uh, will be battling the scheme of Dolphins defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, who was the Denver Broncos head coach for the 2019 through 2021 season. So Eric Bieniemy, during his time as Chiefs offensive coordinator battled Vic's Broncos defenses in some AFC West matchups. Uh, the Dolphins for this regular season through week 12 were number 15 in total defense per DVOA, but also were number one in the NFL in fewest explosive plays allowed per game, just 4.1. We define an explosive play as a pass play of at least 20 yards or a run play of at least 10 yards. Uh, Eric Bieniemy on Thursday afternoon on Vic Fangio. You know what? I, I'll say this. Vic has been doing this for a number of years. He's obviously been one of the top defensive coordinators uh, in this business for a long time. I have the utmost respect for him. He does a great job. He does a great job of building the roster, getting the right pieces to do the things that he wants. I remember when he was in Frisco early in my career with the, uh, when I was with the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I, I have a great deal of respect for what he does. Obviously, he's done a great job putting it together. And I mean, uh, this is his first year. Bradley Chubb is obviously familiar with what he's done because uh, he spent time with him with Denver. But uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Obviously, uh know a lot about his scheme, but it's it's one of those schemes that you have to be patient. You have to be patient, and you got to be patient to drive the length of the field, and you got to take what is given. At times, he may take an, a, a, a chance and create some type of pressure. Obviously, he's going to bring his four- and five-man pressure, but he wants you to make the mistake. And this is where we have to be consistent and persistent and sustain drives and be patient enough, all right, to making sure that we can drive the length of the field and put points on the board and finishing. Well, perhaps some insight into the commander's offensive strategy right there with Eric Bieniemy saying, quote, you have to be patient to drive the length of the field, end quote. Yeah, the Dolphins do not give up a lot of big plays, so that could mean a lot of short passes, a lot of dinking and dunking for a quarterback Sam Howell on Sunday afternoon. And dinking and dunking, the dink and the dunk uh, can be just fine. Sam in recent weeks has done well with Eric calling a lot of quick game. If you go by total QBR, five of Sam's seven highest total QBRs for this regular season have come over the last five games, coinciding precisely with Eric calling more quick game. But might we be headed for a commander's offensive game plan for the Dolphins that includes a good bit 
of running plays. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know that Eric Bieniemy this season basically has had the commanders running the air raid offense with all of the passing plays that he has called. But if the idea is to shorten the game and keep the Dolphins' offense off the field, is at least some ball control offense called for. We on Thursday afternoon had this exchange between Commanders insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 and Eric Bieniemy. Like you said, they have a world-class track team. Is there any thought to try to slow the game down, work the play clock, that kind of stuff? Or do you guys just have to go with the same mindset week after week after week? I think it's a combination of both. You you want to make sure that, that you can hold on to the ball as much as possible. But on top of that, too, regardless of what you do, you got to score points. That's the name of the game. You got to outscore your opponent. So our defense is going to go out there and play their tails off. We know that, okay? But when it's all said and done, we have to do our part, okay? My job is to make sure I'm putting the guys in the right situations, getting creative with the game plan, but on top of that, making sure that we're doing exactly what you said. we got to hold on to the ball and keep them off the, off, off the field as well. But if we're holding on to the ball and we're not finishing and sustaining drives, it really does not do anything. So we have to grow in that particular area. we got to have the patience all right, and the maturity level to drive the length and finish, finish the drive by scoring, putting the ball in the end zone, or worst case scenario, we're kicking the field goal. Was the Dallas game then like particularly frustrating because the possession was there and the, and the points didn't follow? <laughs> Anytime when you're not winning, they're all frustrating because there's always the if I would have, should have, could have. So, like I said, I'll continue saying this: I got to do a better job. Okay, if I'm doing a better job, our guys will do a better job. And that falls right on my plate. So I'm never going to run away from anything. I'm always going to stand tall and look myself in the mirror first and foremost, but then making sure that I'm clearing it up and making sure I'm doing everything under the sun to prevent this from happening again. A talking point that Eric Bieniemy hammers at these Thursday press conferences is the commanders needing to finish. It sounds cliche, and it is, but he's not wrong. Uh, the commanders for this regular season through week 12 were just 21st out of 32 NFL teams in points per offensive play, 0 0.308. Uh, number one, the Dolphins, 0.491. Uh, on Thursday show, Episode 710 mentioned how we basically every week this season during the Sam Howell Wednesday press conference and or the Eric Bieniemy Thursday press conference get some version of the question of how is the relationship between Sam and Eric? Well, something else that we basically every week this season are getting is Eric at his Thursday press conference being asked about this season being a first time full time offensive play caller. And I say full-time because Eric, as Chiefs offensive coordinator, did call some offensive plays. He just wasn't the Chiefs' primary offensive play caller. Head coach Andy Reid was. Well, Eric on Thursday afternoon, again, got asked about the topic. Here he was on how he has seen himself evolve as a first-time, full-time offensive play caller. Well, first of all, this is not my first time as a play caller. I've been doing this now for, for six seasons. So, I've been in this role, I've been in this seat, I've been in this chair, and uh, certain days are better than others. Obviously, you want every day to be a perfect day, but uh, it's been fun. Obviously, you want to be at your best, and you always want what is best for your players. And so, 
at the end of the day, you just keep striving to be striving for perfection and hoping that you can achieve that excellence. But we all know that you, it's a work in process every single day. What Eric Bieniemy said at the beginning of that cut, that this season is not his first season as an offensive play caller. So I saw a pseudo big deal made out of that. Eric has said that like a hundred times <laughs> since being hired by the commanders. He has made that point many times. Uh, Eric, later in his uh, pre-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, was asked how having an offense that essentially is truly his is going. Uh, here was his answer. You know what? It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of responsibility, uh, a lot of communication that takes place between myself and our staff. Um, on top of that, these guys, it's all a collective group. Everybody's into it and everybody's helping building the game plan. But it's, it's been one that there's been many highs. And obviously, uh, you always look back upon things and say, you know what? Maybe we should have did this or maybe we should have did that or, but, you're always evaluating self just to make sure that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's and making sure that you're making the, the right decisions at the right times for these particular uh, situations that present itself. But I've enjoyed it. Yeah, the commander's offense is Eric Bieniemy's baby. Remember what we talked about on Thursday's show, how Sam Howell, when he at his pre-practice press conference on Wednesday was asked if Head coach Ron Rivera now serving as the commander's defensive coordinator means more work for Sam with Eric Bieniemy and less work for Sam with Ron. Sam's answer basically was not at all. <laughs> and that's because Sam has not been working with Ron all that much. The work has been with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, here was Eric on Thursday afternoon on where he has seen the commander's offense develop this season. You know what? I, I, I'll say this. I've seen growth in a number of positions. I've seen guys... I've seen Charles Leno. I mean, he's grown, you know, just gaining a, a true understanding of what we're doing. I've watched uh, Sam. I watched Sam, you know, grow as a quarterback. I mean, he's making plays. Now, has everything been perfect for him? No, but he's making tremendous strides. You know, watching the growth and development of, uh, of Jahan. You know, watching his his route tree grow and just the dynamic playmaking ability that he has. And then, I mean, just watching B-Rob, you know, B-Rob has become, the, 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 I mean, it's a running joke with me and him. I mean, he's a receiver now, you know, and he's doing a great job in the past game. So it's it's been fun watching the growth process. At the end of the day, you want for all of these guys to have a tremendous amount of success, but it's a work in progress. We got to learn how to do it together consistently. All right. And one more from Eric Bieniemy for you. He on Thursday afternoon was asked for his reaction to Ron Rivera firing defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio the morning after Thanksgiving. This was Eric's answer. I'll say this. It's unfortunate that what happens happens. And obviously, if you've been a part of this business long enough, these things happen. I've happened to know Jack, wow, since <laughs> I was a kid in high school. Jack uh, played at USC. He played with a bunch of high school heroes uh, that I grew up idolizing. So obviously those situations are always tough. But, uh, but you just keep it moving. You have to. You got to keep growing. You got to keep moving. Um, what was the second question? 
I'm has sorry. your job changed at all with the reshuffling? No, nah, my, my role is still the same. I'm still the, uh, the officer coordinator. I still have the title of assistant head coach. And uh, the little things that coach asked me to do, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm charged with doing. Other than that, Coach E.B. is just making sure that he can get the damn offense lined up and get out of the huddle and go goddamn play. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was actually pretty funny from Eric Bieniemy, who did go third person, as he sometimes does. All right, time now for Al Galdi's underdog fantasy plays <laughs> for Commander's Dolphins. Underdog Fantasy has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Uh, one of the best aspects of Underdog Fantasy is its higher-lower plays. I have two higher-lower plays for Commander's Dolphins. Uh, the higher-lower total for receiving yards for running back Brian Robinson Jr. is 12 Yeah, that's it. 12.5. We call that free money. Uh, Robinson, of course, is having a breakout season as a pass catcher. We just heard Eric Bieniemy talk about that. So I love Brian Robinson to have higher than 12 and a half receiving yards uh, and the higher lower total for rushing yards for Sam Howell is 14 and a half. Uh, This season have had a lot of success going higher on Sam Howell rushing yardage totals. Let us ride that train again. So Brian Robinson higher than 12 and a half receiving yards and Sam Howell higher than 14 and a half rushing yards. And all of this is through Underdog Fantasy. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and take the free money. Underdog Fantasy is offering a special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Hey, please consider following the podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. Uh, for more now on the Commander's offense as we get set for the Commanders versus the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1, we welcome back to the podcast Commander's analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.com. Substack.com, Mark, a regular guest on the podcast this Commander season, and his Substack should be part of your regular reading as a Commander's fan. He puts up multiple posts per week, and the posts are in-depth film breakdowns with video. MarkBullock.Substack.com. He is written for The Athletic and for The Washington Post. You can follow Mark on X at MarkBullock at FL. Uh, Mark joined us on this past Monday's show, episode 707, uh, to talk commander's defense off head coach Rod Rivera, firing defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brett Wieselmeyer last Friday morning. And Mark is back with us now to talk commander's offense. And of course, uh, nothing with the offense, nothing with the team on the field uh, matters more than quarterback Sam Howell right now. Uh, Mark, we last talked 
Sam Howell with you a few weeks ago. So off your breakdowns of Sam on your Substack, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Sam over the Commanders' last two games? The uh, 31-19 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field in Week 11 and the 45-10 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think the, it, it kind of shows why you can't get too overreactionary in, in week-to-week NFL because a few weeks ago everyone was ready to say Sam House the franchise quarterback and, and now everyone's ready to say, now nah, we need to draft a top-five quarterback or trade up for Caleb Williams or whatever it is. So um, you, that's why you need to take the, the macro view of... of waiting to see where he is at the end of the year and compare that to where he was at the start of the year. And, and I still think there's development there. I still think even in that Giants game when he had those three interceptions and it could have been four, um, it probably should have been four, um, you, you saw some plays where there was some real high-level quarterbacking where he, he moved a, a linebacker with his eyes to open up a throwing window um, and... There were some nice throws. He had a really nice layered throw to Logan Thomas over the top of, a, of another defender. And, and so there was some, still some good signs of, of high-level quarterbacking. And um, there's still signs of growth there. And I know everyone's sick of the term growth from certainly Ron Rivera. <laughs> in, ter- in, ter- in, terms of, in terms of Sam Howell, that does ring true. There, there is still signs of that. And, and in this Cowboys game, like... I think for the first three quarters, at least, they they actually ran probably the most balanced and, and efficient offense that they had run most of the year in terms of, like, there was a lot more under center running. I think Brian Robinson had 10 carries for 45 yards, something like that, at the half, and, and Antonio Gibson had a couple more. Um, and Sam Howell had some nice throws. They mixed in some RPOs. They had a bunch of screens. Curtis Samuel got a couple screens and stuff. And they had some play action stuff, so they they really got into the type of offense that I thought they were going to be starting the year, um, rather than just being so reliant on quick game passing. And there were obviously obviously was the quick game concepts, but there was the rest of it to go with it to to ease the things on on how. And when they went in at the half at, with that, when they got that touchdown before the half, I think if they had managed to get a stop there and gone in at fourteen ten, I, I thought. That was probably about as good as they could have hoped for, considering that Cowboys team that they're playing against is, is definitely better than they are at this point in time. So, um, And even when they came out to start the second half, they had that nice long drive and, and they just got stuck on that fourth down play, um, which obviously went wrong. But um, there, there were opportunities like on the third and one play before that, they had that shot to Terry McLaurin on that double move. And it was there. It was just not he didn't quite connect with it. And, and so... Um, I, I think there are still good signs of growth with Hal. Um, I'm still not ready to commit to him as being the franchise quarterback um, of the future for the next 10 years, but um, I'm also not ready to write him off. Um, and I think you want to see these last few games and, and see, you know, how does he do a second time against this Cowboys unit now that he's seen them once and, and how how they might adjust to him and how you might adjust to them and, and how does he do against a, a 49ers unit that's going to have you know, a defensive line that's going to really hunt him? Um, and how does he do against the Dolphins team, which that offense is going to be probably leading the game for the major- majority of it? So can he catch up and, and go punch for punch with them and, and, and stuff? And obviously that's a, that's a lot of pressure to put on a young quarterback. Like You shouldn't expect him to 
keep up without Dolphins offense, but um, how well he does can can be a good part of an evaluation of him at the end of the year, and and I think that's what's gonna that's gonna be the main question for the new, presumably the new GM and head coach to to decide is what do we do with Howell and is he is he can he be the guy that we go with going forward? Because I think if you end up with a top five pick, you do have to consider a quarterback at the top because you're that close. You're not typically going to be that close to getting one of those top quarterbacks. So you have to consider, do we really love Caleb Williams or, or, or Drake May or one of the other guys? Do we really love them and love them way more than Howell? Or do we quite like Howell and we think we can build this roster back up quicker if we take a left tackle at five or, you know, or Marvin Harrison or, or whoever it is. You, you, can you build the roster up a bit quicker and, and support Howell a little bit better? Um, so that that's going to be the key decision, I think. And I think Howell is trending in the right direction, um, but it's going to be awfully hard for a new GM and head coach to come in if they're picking in the top five and, and not have their eyes wander to a, a Caleb Williams if, if a if that is on the table. That is going to be fascinating. Uh, what specifically are you looking for from Sam Howell over the Commander's final five games this regular season in order to be compelled to say that he should be the team's QB1 moving forward? Yeah, it's, it's the consistency with it. It's can he stay consistent with um, the mental process of getting through his reads efficiently, getting the ball out on time, having decent footwork, not being impacted too much by, you know, the offensive line play in front of him. Um, there was a few examples in that Dallas game where, yes, he, he got quite a lot of instant pressure. Like it, when Michael Parsons lined up over the center, like there was a there was a play where he just came bursting through straight away, and Al had to take off running straight away. It, and that's good that he's able to. But you also a few plays later, like he then was anticipating pressure, and that made him bail out of a pocket that wasn't necessarily one that he had to run from straight away. So um, you want to see him not be impacted by the pressure and that he's then anticipating it and you want him to be feeling it naturally and and still working with his progression and getting the ball out on time and, and only scrambling or, or moving within the pocket to, to avoid the pressure as he has to. So, um, yeah, I just want to see a consistent process with him and... and we have seen him be more consistent with that as the year's gone on. Um, and that's why the, the sack numbers have come down a little bit and they're still obviously high and he's still on pace for a record-breaking season. But um, they have gotten better since that first Giants game and then and you could see the progression in him and in how much quicker he's getting the ball out and more efficiently he's getting the ball out. And, and so I just really want to see him maintain that and, and, and maybe, you know, a few... A few of those deep shots that they're taking just off the fingertips of receivers and stuff, you'd like to see them connect on two or three of those and, and, and suddenly those, you know, 20 of, or sorry, 30 of 40 passing yard, uh, passing attempts for 300 yards becomes, you know, 31 of, of 41 for 350 um, and, and an extra touchdown. And then it's looking really good. Um, so those are the, the two areas I'd be looking at. We're talking Commander's Offense with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. You mentioned Commander's Receivers. Uh, what are your assessments of the seasons that Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel are having? 
Yeah, there's some there's some interesting stats out there about the the lack of separation that they've had, um, and I, I don't know the how those numbers are, are judged, so I can't really speak to them. I, I, my general feeling is that a lot of the route combinations that they run, they generally have receivers running routes to open things up for other receivers, and they have quite a few concepts where they have answers against lots of different coverages, which is good because it gives the quarterback an option like, okay, I've got quarters, I go to McLaurin, or if I've got cover three, I go to Dotson, or if I've got man coverage, I go to Curtis Samuel on this shallow cross. And you have all those different options, but it means if whichever coverage you get, you're only going to get one of those guys open. The other guys are going to be covered just because of the concept that's, that's being called. So um, that, I think, can limit the amount of times receivers are getting open. Um, I think we've seen this year when, when McLaurin gets one-on-one, they still take those shots down the sideline to him, and, and he's had some success with that, and they've had some where they've just been overthrown. Um, and Jeremy Brown's had a couple of shots like that as well. Um, I, don't, I don't think the receiver group is necessarily as bad as those stats make out. Um, I do think that you know, Jahan Dotson I thought was going to have a better year than he has had, but I don't think he's necessarily been used the best possible way for him. Um, and actually, we saw a little bit of that in that giant in, in the Cowboys game this week where um, he was running lots of timing routes. He's a really good route runner, um, and you know that they, they had those speed outs on those RPOs that he really he's really good at. He had caught a couple of curl routes where. Him and, and Hal have good timing on those, um, and, and that maximizes the separation, um, and, and he does really well on those. So those kind of routes are, are good for him, and he hasn't necessarily run enough of them, I don't think. Um, and, and I'd love to see him run some choice routes from the slot. Like we saw um, Curtis Samuel ran one out of the backfield um, when they had their touchdown, just before their touchdown, they got them down to the one-yard line. That kind of route is something that Dotson I'd love to see run more. And, and I guess they just... They're kind of a bit spoiled for choice because McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel can all run that kind of thing. Um, so they kind of all lack the number of times they get to do it, the number of reps you'd like to see them do it. So um, maybe that plays into it as well. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe they've been a little bit underwhelming, but I think it's kind of a case of like the offense is about spreading the ball around to all the different pieces that you have. Um, so you're not necessarily going to have the number one guy that's so much more dominant than everyone else and, and they don't have the they don't have the Travis Kelsey that this Chiefs offense had last year or has now that dominates and then everyone else kind of does okay. They they have they have three higher level players than what the Chiefs had last year at receiver, but they don't have the elite elite guy that, that gets the majority of the targets. So um, it kind of gets spread around a little bit more. Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. The notion that things are going well, or at least well enough, between him and Sam Howell to where Commander's football operations beyond this season should include Eric in some form so as not to disrupt what the team has with Eric and Sam. Is there merit to that thinking, or is that thinking overrating what the team has with Eric and Sam? There is some merit to that. In an ideal world, you, if you're going to go with Sam Howell as your quarterback, you don't want him having a third system in the third year. Um, you, you ideally would like him to get a, a chance to 
have another year in this system and, and them to be able to build on what they have installed this year. Um, because, like, if you if you look at what the, the commanders have done this year in terms of their system and you compare it to what the Chiefs did last year in year five of their system with Eric Bieniemy and, and Patrick Mahomes and stuff, like, that offense is drastically different. Like, it's still, there's still a lot of the same core fundamentals, but there, there's a lot more complexity to what the Chiefs do and they can do a lot more different things just because they've been in the system for so much longer that they can install a lot more. Um, and, and this is a much more basic version of it. Um, so I think you would see if they were to be if if they were to go with the enemy and how for another two or three years, then you would see this offense would develop not necessarily to what the Chiefs' offense is, obviously, but you would see that they would have more concepts and more answers, and, and how would be more comfortable with um, a, more, a wider variety of plays, and then they could get to more of the creative stuff that the Chiefs do, where they have different motions all over the place and. We already have seen that kind of like that Samuel in the backfield play that I talked about, where he was lined up in the backfield and then ran that choice route. Like that's something we didn't see earlier in the year, and, and now we're starting to get to that. And you can see that as they're learning more and more and, and getting more used to this offense, they're installing more stuff that um, can be more useful to them. So um, I, there is some merit to wanting how to maintain the same system. That being said, I don't think that can be the only reason you hire the enemy as your head coach. I think you need to, especially with the uncertainty over Sam Howe, like, yes, he's been good. He hasn't convinced me that he's definitely the guy for the next 10 years. So it's not like, well, he's the guy we have to hire the guy for him. Like, you want to hire the best head coach candidate. And if you think of a Ben Johnson or whoever is the better option, as an overall head coach of the team, then you go hire that guy and, and you hope that they come in and, and really love Sam Howe and, and have a plan for him and, and are able to install an offense that maybe doesn't put quite so much on Howe's plate in year one um, and, and use a little bit more of the running game and, and play action stuff to, to ease things for him and, and, and be productive. Kind of like what you've seen in, in Houston with, um, with the Texans where... Uh, Bobby Stokes gone in there in year one, and with with CJ Stroud, and and they've they've hit off perfectly, and, and you know Stroud's playing fantastic football. That there's no reason that that couldn't happen for Sam Howell next year with a new coach, and, and maybe even Bobby Stokes if they, they wanted to go down that route. But um, so yes, there is merit to the idea that you'd like the enemy to stay around and, and keep that system for a second year for Howell, but I. If there is the reports of the players not being huge fans of the enemy and, and stuff like that, uh, for whatever reason behind the scenes, like if you don't think he's the best head coaching candidate, then you don't hire him just because of that. Well, the commanders hiring Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick as the commanders head coach would be like the perfect ending to the storyline of all of the assistant coaches from Mike Shanahan's time as Redskins executive vice president slash head coach who have become head coaches because finally Washington itself would have one of those guys as head coach. Although Bobby Slowick with the skins was a defensive assistant, not an offensive assistant, but he's certainly an offensive guy now. But yeah, I mean, he would be the the last one, I think, from that <laughs> staff, probably. That, that's going to be one of those future head coaches, the great young offensive minds. Um, yeah, it, it would, there would be some poetry that indeed, yeah. 
No doubt. Commander's analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark, thank you, and we'll talk next week. Great. Thanks. Always very good and insightful Commander's Conversation with Mark Bullock and always very good service from Catering by Uptown. If you are planning a big event like, say, a wedding or a holiday party, you gotta go with Catering by Uptown. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly from putting together and executing a menu to picking linens to selecting an excellent florist. Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you are having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event waitstaff. No experience is necessary and you get paid in-house training. Great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit cateringbyuptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, if you are looking for an amazing Washington Commanders fan community to be a part of, uh, to placate your burgundy and gold obsession, make BGObsession.com your Washington football fan destination. BG Obsession, or BGO, has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place at which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion, great contests, game day chats, even lifelong friendships. What are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at BGObsession.com, home to your Burgundy and Gold Obsession. The 4-8 Commanders versus the 8-3 Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. First game between the two franchises since week six of the 2019 season. October 13th, 2019, a 17-16 Redskins win at the Dolphins for one of the Skins' mere three wins in the 2019 regular season. This was the Skins' first game with Bill Callahan as interim head coach. This was a game in which Dolphins head coach Brian Flores in the fourth quarter benched starting quarterback Josh Rosen. The chosen Rosen was uh, chosen no more uh, in favor of future Washington quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick who in that fourth quarter went 12 of 18 for 132 yards and a touchdown, which came with six seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins went for two. The result, a drop by running back Kenyon Drake on an under center pass by Fitzmagic. That game was a battle of two bad teams. Uh, This game, this Sunday afternoon, features a very good team in the Dolphins and, uh, yes, a bad team in our commanders. Now, I debated whether I should do rhyming keys for a commander's win given 
that the commanders are just four and eight. And the realistic best way, as I have said, for the team over its remaining five games this regular season is quarterback Sam Howell playing well in each game, but the defense doing just enough to lose each game. I still very much feel that way, but technically, it is still possible for the commanders to finish this regular season with a winning record and with a playoff spot. Don't laugh, okay? Those things are technically possible until the team cannot finish this regular season with a winning record, i.e. likely after this game. Uh, I will do rhyming keys for commanders wins, and then once the team suffers its ninth loss of this regular season, we will transition to, yes, rhyming keys for commanders losses. And so, my friends, it is that time, the time to rhyme. It is time for rhyming keys, my keys to a commander's victory, at least for now, in rhyming fashion. Uh, These rhymes, they are not meant to be good. They are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. Counterintuitive and yet oh so true. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun. Rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Dolphins. How the heck do the commanders (laughs) win this game? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this is for Commander's quarterback, Sam Howell. You've got an arm like a gat. So work the Dolphins like Josh, Jalen, and Pat. Uh, The gun that is Sam Howell's right arm needs to be firing well this Sunday afternoon. The Dolphins this regular season have three losses. Week four, a 48-20 loss at the Buffalo Bills. Week seven, a 31-17 loss at the Philadelphia Eagles. And week nine, a 21-14 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in Germany. Uh, The Dolphins' pass defense was a problem in each game. Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, he against the Dolphins went 21-25 for 320 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions, and he had a touchdown run. Uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, he against the Dolphins went 23-31 for 279 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, and he had a touchdown run. And Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, he against the Dolphins, did not finish with great numbers, but he in the first half of that game did have great numbers, 14-19 for 147 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Now, yes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, all very good quarterbacks. But the point is that the Dolphins' defense can be worked, can be exploited. Sam Howell in the commander's 45-10 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving had a very bad fourth quarter. But the truth is that Sam, up until that fourth quarter, was having a pretty good game, especially considering how good the Cowboys' defense is. There certainly has been a boom or bust aspect to Sam this season, but the boom has been quite good, and he lately has been more good than bad. In theory, the formula for the commanders pulling off the upset over the Dolphins would include shortening the game with lengthy offensive drives that include a lot of running plays. And that's not a bad way of looking at things, but the Dolphins are ultra explosive. Time of possession may not mean much for this game. Heck, the commanders on Thanksgiving won the time of possession battle by 13 minutes, 48 seconds, and yet lost by 35 points. Uh, Additionally, the Dolphins' defense is good against the run. The Dolphins, for this regular season through Week 12, were number five in the NFL and fewest yards allowed per carry 3.8. 
7-7. So the formula for the Commanders pulling off the upset over the Dolphins includes the Commanders passing offense being on point. And that, of course, includes Sam Howell playing well. This Dolphins pass defense can be had. And so rhyming key, number one, this for Sam Howell. You've got an arm like a gat. So work the Dolphins like Josh, Jalen, and Pat. Rhyming key for Commander's Dolphins number two. This is for Commander's head coach, Ron Rivera. You don't want your team looking like clowns. So be aggressive on fourth downs. Few things in the Commander's loss at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving were as maddening as Ron at the end of the Commander's second offensive drive, opting to punt on a fourth and two for the Commanders at the Cowboys 43. In a game against the explosive Cowboys with the Commanders' bad defense playing a conservative field position game was not the way to be thinking. And sure enough, the ensuing Cowboys offensive drive was an 11-play, 90-yard drive that consumed 5 minutes, 7 seconds off the clock and resulted in quarterback Dak Prescott's late first quarter, second and 10, 15-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Rico Dowdle on a screen. And the second snap of the drive was a play that got the Cowboys to nearly the line of scrimmage from which the Commanders had just punted the ball as on a first and 15 for the Cowboys at their 5 Linebacker Cody Barton got beat by tight end Jake Ferguson on a 35-yard shotgun completion by Dak to Ferguson. If the commanders are going to shock the world uh, and beat the Dolphins, we can't have Riverboat Ron being a paddleboat Ron. (laughs) He needs to be aggressive, especially if Sam Howell is playing well, which he was when Ron elected to punt on that fourth and two at the Cowboys. And so rhyming key number two, this for Ron Rivera. You don't want your team looking like clowns. And so be aggressive on fourth downs. And rhyming key for Commander's Dolphins, number three, this is for the Commander's defense. (laughs) You now have some new head honchos. Just please don't get done dirty like the Broncos. Uh, So we now have Ron Rivera as the Commander's defensive coordinator off him last Friday morning, firing defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brent Wieselmeyer. Uh, Will this improve the Commander's horrendous defense in any meaningful way? Who the heck knows? Uh, Ron has made it clear that he's simplifying things with the defense. Perhaps that'll lead to Commander's defensive players playing faster and better. Uh, But it's also quite possible that this is just a bad defense, period. Here's my challenge to the Commander's defense for Sunday afternoon. Can you please just not get violated (laughs) the way that the Broncos defense got violated in week three? It was in week three that we had the Dolphins destroying the Broncos 70-20. The Dolphins in that game had 726 total net yards of offense. Now, what's so interesting is what has happened with the Broncos since that game, right? The Broncos since that game are 6-2. and two. They've won five consecutive games. But for our purposes, that game, a clear message of what can happen to a bad defense when facing the Dolphins' mighty offense. Can the commander's oh-so-bad defense at least avoid being humiliated as the Broncos' defense was in week three? And so rhyming key number three, this for the commander's defense, you now have 
some new head honchos. Just please do not get done dirty like the Broncos. All right, <laughs> it is prediction time. The Commanders per Crab Sports plus nine and a half. You know, there's actually a significant part of me that could see the Commanders playing this game close, in part because nobody's expecting that. But as we saw with that loss at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, the Commanders can play a game close for three quarters, and the game still can end up being a blowout loss. Uh, the Commanders, through three quarters on Thanksgiving, were down by just a 20-10 count, but then lost the fourth quarter 25 nothing. Uh, the Commanders' offense could do well against the Dolphins, and the Commanders still could get blown out. Give me the Dolphins, minus nine and a half. Final score, Dolphins 35, Commanders 24. The Commanders, in getting ready for this game, better drink their AG1. Uh, the only thing worse than the Commanders' defense is my sleep schedule. It's all over the place uh, due to my work and having two young kids. Jack Del Rio actually is in charge of my sleep schedule, in case you didn't know. But drinking AG1 helps me feel energized, focused, and healthy. You see, AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition. AG1 has been continuously refining its formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. If you want to take ownership of your health, doing so starts with AG1. And here's a great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. You can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase of AG1. Just go to drinkag1.com slash Al Galdi. That's drinkag, the number one, dot com slash Al Galdi. DrinkAG1.com slash Al Galdi. DrinkAG1.com slash Al Galdi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
All right, now to Goldilocks, my college football previews and picks for the FBS teams of the Mid-Atlantic region. Uh, You have heard of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Well, this is Goldilocks, and it is brought to us by Crab Sports. Crab Sports is Maryland's number one sports book. You can visit crabsports.com or download the new Crab Sports app, which is available in both the App Store and Google Play. Crab Sports is the only sports book that offers special boosts and parlays on all DMV area teams. In fact, if you go to crabsports.com or are on the Crab Sports app between 5 p.m. Eastern Friday to 11 a.m. Eastern Saturday, you will see my Goldilocks picks in the boosted odds section. Yes, you get boosted odds with the Goldilocks selections, making it easier for you to make money money. And know this, Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo For new customers, place your first bet of up to $500, and if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet. So you have a second chance to win, a second chance to make money money. Join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI. So CrabSports.com or the Crab Sports app, promo code GALDI. And Crab Sports is working in partnership with a fellow Maryland homegrown business, the Green Turtle, with its free-to-play game. Uh, You can win up to $25,000 three times a week, and the free-to-play game is, yes, free to play. Uh, Just submit your picks for Thursday night football, Sunday football, and Monday night football. And depending on how many picks you get right, you will qualify for the $25,000 Green Turtle gift cards and Crab Sports free bets. Crab Sports is awesome. And Crab Sports wants to remind you to please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 years of age or older. We have arrived at conference championship weekend, which does include a team of the Mid-Atlantic region, Goldilocks game number one, Liberty hosting New Mexico State Friday night at seven in the Conference USA Championship game. Uh, The Flames per Crab Sports minus 11 and a half. This line was minus 10 and a half as of Wednesday morning. So we have had some line movement. Uh, William Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia, going to be rocking <laughs> on Friday night. Liberty is 12-0 and overall and 8-0 in Conference USA. The New Mexico State Aggies are 10-3 and overall and 7-1 and in Conference USA. Uh, Liberty is number 24 in the latest college football playoff rankings, which came out this past Tuesday night. The Flames are number 20 in the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out This past Sunday afternoon, Liberty is an offensive machine this season. Number one in the FBS in rushing yards per game, 295.4. Number 10 in the FBS in offensive efficiency per ESPN. Flames quarterback Caden Salter is number nine among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS. And ESPN's total QBR, 83.6. Can New Mexico State stop Liberty uh, no, the Aggies for this season are just 99th in the FBS in defensive efficiency per ESPN. Also know this, while Liberty is not great defensively, the Flames for this season are number one in the FBS with 20 interceptions. So this has been a playmaking defense. Do not think, do not blink, ride the Flames. Give me Liberty or give me death. No, just give me Liberty minus 11 and a half. 
Thank you, Snoop Dogg. And do not forget, go to crabsports.com or download the Crab Sports app and use the promo code GALDI. Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo for new customers. Place your first bet of up to $500. And if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet. So you have a second chance to win. A second chance to make money money. Well, what a way for the Capitals to cap off a terrific month of November for them. A 5-4 win at the Anaheim Ducks late night on Thursday night. The Caps improved to 12-6-2 in this NHL regular season. The Caps concluded a November in which they went 8-3-1, good for the third highest point percentage in the NHL in the month. And the Caps improved to 3-0-0 in the second games of back-to-backs this regular season. Uh, The loss was the Ducks' eighth consecutive loss. Each loss a regulation loss. But what this game will most be remembered for is the work of the Caps' top-line right-wing Tom Wilson. The man known as Top Line Tom. Uh, Top Line Tom, late night on Thursday night, was uh, top-notch. He, in playing in his 700th career regular season game, had his first career regular season hat trick. How about that? Uh, Wilson also had a game-high seven shots on goal and a game-high 10 total shot attempts. Uh, Now, he did commit two first-period minor penalties. What would a Caps game be without a Tom Wilson penalty? The Caps for the game committed seven minor penalties, but the Ducks for the game committed eight minor penalties. And Wilson became just the second player in NHL history to have a hat trick in his 700th career regular season game. He became the first player to do so since October 1968. Uh, This was a wild game. Six of the game's nine goals were scored in a first period that the Caps won 4-2. The game's other three goals were scored in a third period that the Ducks won 2-1. But the man who most stood out in the chaos was Tom Wilson. He scored a first period even strand goal, a first period power play goal, and a third period power play goal as the Caps went two of six on the power play. Yes, the Caps went two of six on the power play. They came into the game a brutal three of 53 on the power play this regular season. The Caps on Thursday night scored nearly as many power play goals as the team had scored over its first 19 games this regular season. Uh, This was a great night for the Caps on special teams. They also went five of five on the penalty kill, but this was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters early Friday morning on Tom Wilson. I always knew he was a gamer, and he's proven that to me every day um, of just the way he competes, the way he plays the game, um, how badly he wants to win and do the right thing and be in the right spot and make the right play. It's just he's a, he's a um, total, complete gamer, which I knew. But but I think maybe the, the one thing that... Um, have been able to witness firsthand which you've seen he's always had that blend of skill and power but seeing that um, firsthand in practice and in games in the hands and his ability to finish and scoring from the bumper making little uh, small area plays like that's the unique skill of Tom Wilson that separates him from 
essentially everyone in the world is is that size and power and physicality, but then also that finesse and touch that he has and scores a uh, hat trick in, in 700 or in his 700th game. Um, just, just a great night for him. Yes, it was. Tom Wilson on Thursday night. The Hattie. Uh, also, for the Caps on Thursday night, top line left wing Alex Ovechkin. Uh, he had two primary assists and five shots on goal. Darcy Kemper on Thursday night was the Caps starting goaltender for just the third time in seven games since returning from injury. Uh, and he stopped just 28 of the 32 shots on goal that he faced. You wonder if this means that we're going to continue to see a good bit of Charlie Lindgren. Uh, Kemper, per natural stat trick, stopped just two of the six high-danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, The Caps won this game despite getting smashed in the puck possession battle in five-on-five play. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had just 25 five-on-five shot attempts to the Ducks' 42. Uh, Although the discrepancy in shots on goal for the game was not bad. The Caps had 26 shots on goal to the Ducks, 32. So the Caps so far are 2-1-0 and on their five-game trip out west. Next up for the Caps at the Vegas Golden Knights, Saturday night at 10. And that will do it. For you and me for now, keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at El Galdi. You can email me, the El Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 712. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. So whatever happens in their game against the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Also on Monday show, college football. I'll react to the bowl game selections that are announced on Sunday as we have Maryland, Liberty, James Madison, Virginia Tech, and Old Dominion, all bowl eligible. I'll also assess what goes down for number 24 Liberty in the Conference USA Championship game. Liberty home to New Mexico State Friday night at 7. And I on Monday's show will talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. The Caps have one game this weekend at the Vegas Golden Knights Saturday night at 10. The Wizards have one game this weekend at the Orlando Magic Friday night at 7. And college basketball this weekend includes Maryland's Big Ten opener. The Terrapins are at Indiana Friday night at 7. Georgetown is home to TCU in the Big East Big 12 Challenge Saturday evening at 5.30. We have the ACC openers for Virginia and Virginia Tech. The Cavaliers home to Syracuse Saturday at noon. The Hokies home to Louisville Sunday afternoon at 4. And number 22, James Madison is home to Division Three Keystone College Sunday afternoon at 1. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Coach E.B. is just making sure that he can get the damn offense lined up and get out of the huddle and go goddamn play. (laughs) 